joined now by Zach Harper. He covers the NBA for The Athletic, and he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset, get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Zach, good morning. Morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey, I'm a little curious here. Uh, is free agency going to play out real quickly? We've heard so many stories for so long. We assume that even though you're not supposed to, realistically, everybody's having conversations. So when the deadline comes, will there just be a flurry of announcements, or are we going to be sitting around for days waiting for this to play out, and guys are actually going to go meet with teams, and they still don't know what they're going to do? I think we're going to see a flurry for some action. I mean, it's going to be an interesting chess game just because the, the, the main dominoes still have to fall, right? KD has to decide, Kawhi has to decide, Kyrie has to decide, and those are the main dominoes. But there are other, there are other players in the mix like D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler. These are guys who are going to want to go get their money and secure their, their, you know, their next spot right away and so seeing which which players try to force the issue in order to to put pressure on on teams from a negotiation standpoint will be interesting but i i think i think kevin durant will decide within the first three days i think Kawhi leonard will decide within the first four or five days um but other than that like you may see like boyan bogdanovich get a crazy deal way before anyone else announces. I mean, I think you're going to see the restricted free agents try to be very aggressive in setting the market for themselves. Uh, someone like Terry Rozier might might really be aggressive in trying to go get his money before Kyrie Irving and all that stuff is, is settled. So I, I think guys like Kemba Walker have to wait, but for the most part, um, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of craziness. So as far as the Jazz go, they want a big-time shooter. You know, when I say big-time, I mean a, a big player, a tall player, who can stretch that floor, as they say. So, you know, they're not obviously in the running for the top premier free agent. Do you think that with them being in the situation of what they need, that they can act quickly and secure somebody before all these dominoes fall with the top guys making their decisions? I think so. I mean, I think, I think if, you're, if you're okay with someone like a Nico Miritich, um, who actually he didn't play that well after he got traded to Milwaukee. And that that might help you. Uh, yeah, that might help you go sign him early in free agency because uh, if you if you offer him you know two three years of the mid level exception, I, I bet he would jump at that. And it's not a it's not a bad contract. So I think someone like Nico Miritich is very goodable right away. I think you're going to see those you know those kind of third fourth fifth tier guys who are who are you know fringe starters, mostly rotation players. Um, I, I think those guys are going to definitely try to secure the money quickly, kind of like Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov did in, in 2016. I, I think someone like that is very gettable right away. Is it easier for the Jazz to get that and maybe upgrade a little bit on who they're getting in this, if you profile all these guys, because Conley's there? Is Conley a selling point to some of these other guys, in other words? I think Conley certainly helps things. I mean, before it was a pretty attractive Team-wise, you, you know, you saw the, the stigmas around the league of, of Salt Lake City not being a place that players want to live. I mean, that is it's just a, a thing whether, you know, fans want to deal with that or not. It's not, it's not an attractive uh, destination for them. But in, in terms of the guys who want to go win and the guys who, um, who maybe want to go win on short-term contracts, I think the Jazz become very attractive because you have Gobert, so you know someone's going to, Someone's going to have your back defensively, so you can be either aggressive or you can be a bad defender, right? And, and, and you know you're not going to get killed for it. 
Uh, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's this upcoming star, who's who's going to be excellent. And then having Mike Conley, like Mike Conley is one of the most well-respected guys around the league. He's one of the best teammates in the league. Um, he is beloved. There aren't many people, if any, that that dislike Mike Conley. And so having a veteran like that in the mix to kind of secure everything and, and kind of you know calm everything down, that's going to have a huge effect on how that team's viewed going into next season. So on the flip side for the Jazz, we just discussed about them acting quickly to secure the services maybe of a second-tier guy, uh, but they have some guys that could be higher on their list. Would they be served better if they waited and then see what happens in terms of some of these premier guys like a Kawhi Leonard would say hypothetically come to the Clippers and then the Clippers get somebody else, then the Clippers then might want to unload some of their guys. Could the Jazz wait and then try to pick off a player that they could get who might be a little bit better than if they went with the mid-level stuff right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible, Like, especially if they were in the market for someone like Danilo Gallinari, right? Like, Danilo Gallinari has injury issues, and, and he's mostly been good. I thought he was excellent this season when he played. Um but if if you thought like, all right, that's the stretch four we need, yeah, then I think being patient with what the Clippers plan is uh makes sense because in order to do what they want to do to add Kawhi and another significant player, they have to unload the middle of Gallinari. So if you want to keep that flexible, um, just from a just from an option standpoint of trying to, you know, speed things up, get a little smaller, um, but but still keep a high skill level and, and some shooting, uh, then yeah, I think you need to be patient. I think the risk in that though is everyone else and all these other options drying up or, you know, around you if the Clippers don't get Kawhi Leonard. So if, if he decides to stay in Toronto, which it, it sounds a little bit more likely than what we thought before, if he decides to stay in Toronto, you know, Clippers might shift their, their focus to Jimmy Butler, but I don't know that then they make those wholesale changes like trading a Gallo in order to, to go get a second guy. They may just be a lot more patient with how they build. And so you don't want to miss out on whoever your big targets are, just hoping that they, you know, get what they want. Zach Harper covers the NBA for the athletic. Zach, as you can imagine, we get asked all the time, well, how good are the Jazz? Where do they fit in the West now? And of course, there's so many decisions to be made. You can't really know. You try to ballpark it. But when I hear Houston's going to try and make a, a deal that's probably got to be a three-team deal to get Butler, I mean, can they really pull that off, or is that just, man, it sounds like a good plan, but we're going to get to July 10th, and there's no way that will have happened? Well, it's possible they pull it off, but we do this with Daryl Morey every single year. Every single year there's a free agent who's very intriguing to people, and the Rockets have no chance, no cap flexibility to go get, and yet Daryl Morey somehow gets it leaked out that they're in the mix for this guy. Uh, and, and, and then, so we throw out the headlines and everything, we discuss it. And then there's no, like, there's no flexibility. Like they need a, basically a miracle to get this done. It's not quite that severe with Jimmy Butler. Like they could make a, a sign and trade move that, that makes sense. Even though sign and trades aren't, the, aren't a thing anymore, but this is just like, Daryl Moore is really good at getting headlines about him in a positive way or about his team in a positive way, being in the mix. They're always in the mix for these free agents, even when they don't get meetings or don't have a chance to sign them. So I'm just going to. I'm not going to hold my breath on this, this Jimmy Butler to the Rockets thing. I think he's either going to remain in Philly for five years, 190, or he's going to go join the Clippers or the Lakers. Like I, this idea that he's going to go to the Rockets, I'm just not buying it. Where do you think Rubio's going to go? That's a great question. I mean, it's going to, it, it obviously depends on, on the dominoes that fall with Kyrie, with Kemba, 
in terms of free agency. But, um, you know, I think a team like, uh, like Orlando may have the flexibility to go get him at some point, depending on what happens there. Uh, their free agents of, of Vooch and, and Terrence Ross. Um, they need to upgrade from DJ Augustine. Uh, Phoenix still needs uh, a veteran presence they can trust on both ends of the floor with uh, with their point guard position. Um, but you know the, the, the tough thing with with Rubio is is he's a little a little banged up every year, right? So he's you're not sure you're going to get 75, 80 games. And the shooting, like he he had a, he had a great year that first year. In Utah, he's, he's had a couple of really good years in terms of being confident shooting the ball, but last year didn't do him any favors for setting the market. So I can't imagine he's going to end up having to settle to be a backup point guard next season, uh, but I don't think it's a guarantee he's a, he's a starter somewhere on a good team. So we're looking at all the teams that have been good in the West and trying to figure that out, but we're also looking at teams that have not been good in the West. I mean, Clippers were eight, and then the Lakers were in the lottery. If they hit, maybe they take a big jump up. Everyone's talking about that. But what about some of the other teams? Could a team like Dallas, with Porzingis getting healthy, is he going to take all the money, or are they going to be able to still make a major move and and bring in another guy and, and maybe take a big jump there, or is that just not possible? No, I, I think that's very possible. They're, they're going after Chris Middleton. They're going after Malcolm Brogdon. They're going after uh, Kemba Walker. I think they're going to be in the mix for Al Horford. You know, they're not going to get all those guys. But they, if they get one of those guys, that's significant. Um, I, I think the, the key will obviously be Chris Sapsworth. It's one, he's got to be healthy. And two, what kind of deal is he looking at? When he got traded from the Knicks to Dallas, uh, you know, kind of the, the thoughts were that he was going to take a, the one-year qualifying offer and be an unrestricted free agent next year. And now that might have just been posturing to get away from the Knicks uh, because he, he badly wanted off the Knicks, as one, one might imagine you would. But with, with him, you know, I don't know if he's going to want that long-term security or if he's going to bet on himself and, and go be an unrestricted free agent next summer. And so, um, and so that's going to be – their meetings over the next few days are going to be key and how and how they structure that summer, but they're definitely going for a big name. I think Al Horford, Al Horford could be the guy that they grab. And if you put Al Horford, Luka Doncic, um, and and Kristaps Porzingis on the floor together, that's easy to fill in with shooters and, and a point guard and everything. Like that's a really easy team to to find role players to to put around them. And and if that's the case, Dallas could be not just good next year, not just a lottery team. They you know they might be in that like five six range in the West. You mentioned Al Horford, then what that obviously leads us to the Celtics. This year, this time last year, there was so much promise. I picked them to come out of the East. Obviously, that wasn't close. And it seems all that promise has just turned into a bunch of muddy water. And I have no idea what's going on there. What would be your thought? Uh, you know, they didn't like each other. They're going to pin all this on Kyrie right now. And Kyrie's certainly culpable. Like Kyrie, Kyrie was not the leader he thought he could be. He was not the leader they hoped he would be over these last two years, and especially this year uh, with him being healthier. But Danny Ainge did a horrible job of setting the culture of that team. Brad Stevens did a bad job of integrating Gordon Hayward, uh, even when he wasn't good, in a way that didn't upset the rest of the options on the roster. Um, he didn't coach offense well. Uh, they just made some real big you know, big mistakes in how they you know, tried to put personalities into that locker room, and, it, and they just had a lot of infighting. I mean, I actually think – Kyrie leaving and Al Horford leaving could be good. Maybe they trade Gordon Hayward at that point to someone like Indiana. Uh, if they can't use their cap space well, and, and, and you kind of get a chance to reset a little bit with still some young assets 
and, and still some young players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, I think they'll re-sign Terry Rozier. Um, but, it, but, you know, they're going to go after guys like Kemba Walker, and, and they're going to try to re-sign Al Horford. But that doesn't look, that doesn't look likely. Uh, I think the Celtics need a bit of a culture reset. Uh, it didn't work, and they were a mess, and they, they were a mess due to their own, you know, their own devices. And, and I think that because of that, sometimes it's good to take a step back, and I think that's what Danny Ames needs to do here. Did the Lakers mess themselves up and hamstring themselves with the Anthony Davis trade? Was that, despite the fact he's a huge talent, a blunder by Palenka and whoever's working with him? No, no, they're, they're still in really good shape. I mean, we can we can kind of overanalyze this stuff sometimes, but they still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They have a significant amount of cap room. Maybe not all that they would want, but they have a significant amount. We'll see if Anthony Davis waves that, that trade kicker. I don't think he will, but you never know with that stuff. Um uh, you know they they have they have enough they have enough room where they can either get uh, a star on a little bit of a discount or they can go make you know two three signings with that with that money to to kind of start filling out the roster. They, like as long as they're healthy, they're going to be good next year. They're going to be a playoff team. Um, but no, like I you know when you have two max guys, it's hard to have a a large amount of cap space you know left over, and, and that's just the situation they're in. So the Bucks enjoyed great success this year, had a breakout season, obviously, and you got on to come over with the MVP. He's got impending free agency coming up, and they've got a lot of guys right now that either are restricted or could leave. Do you think they are built to have some long-term success here, or is it now yeah, a little flash in the pan and these guys are going to bail? No, they'll, they'll be around. I, I, think Brogdon, I think Brogdon probably leaves. It doesn't sound like he's all that happy with, with everything. Uh, just in terms of role and and the money they've they've kind of committed to uh, to Eric Bledsoe, I think that that if he leaves if he leaves that causes them to keep George Hill in the mix uh, maybe longer than they expected to, which is good because he was he was really good for them last year. He was really good in the playoffs. So um, you know it'll be an expensive re-sign in, in keeping Brooke Lopez and keeping Chris Middleton if if they can keep Lopez. I think Middleton's a lock to stay there. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be an expensive re-sign with them, but that team is set up to be really good. Giannis is still just scratching the surface of the star he can be in this league, and that's crazy to think where, when you just saw him accept the MVP award the other night. Uh, but that team, that team is going to be really good for a long time. They've got a very smart front office. They've got a very smart coach. Like they're, they're set up to be right there with Toronto if, if Toronto keeps Kawhi. The Nuggets going to hold on to Millsap, or are they going in a different direction? Ooh, I think they're going to try. I mean, we'll see what Millsap expects from a from a contract standpoint. That could be that could be a little tricky, but um, but they're they're going to be very aggressive. I, I know that. Like Denver, Denver is still trying to believe that they can go get a star and bring them into the mix and, and have that. And like I think they're going to maybe try to go get Tobias Harris. I don't think there's a real chance of that, but they're going to go try to get a bigger name free agent uh, or, or a bigger name trade target to to kind of get into the mix. But I think ultimately. You see kind of a Derek Favors situation with, with them and Millsap in which you get a, you know, a two-year deal where he re-signs, but they, they have you know, more, of a, uh, more flexibility with that second year to where they're not super committed. He still gets a bunch of money. Uh, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Zach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking NBA free agency. It'll be interesting, and hey. by uh, Sunday it'll be full bore. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's going to be nuts Sunday. Appreciate it, guys.